Welcome to Sofa Security Chat Chat, episode 246 for the 14th of July, 2016. I'm your host, Chester Wisniewski, and my co-host this week is Paul Ducklin. Welcome back, Paul. Hello, Chester. It seems that uh, the story that I can't seem to escape has something to do with small, colorful creatures being seen in ways that I can't seem to see them. But I, I, I wanted to talk about it on the chat chat because there's more risk to loading Pokemon Go for the uh, countries that haven't so far had the launch happen than just, you know, bumping into a tree while you're walking down the sidewalk playing a game, isn't there? There is, because the game took off, as I understand it, so quickly in the US, and the load was so high on the servers that they figured, okay, let's hold off on releasing it elsewhere in the world. But of course, nothing breeds demand, it seems, quite like restricting supply. So people outside the US uh, who want to join in the fun uh, and who are on Android, of course, have this option to allow apps from untrusted sources. And they're doing exactly that. And it seems people are doing it on their own phones, on their buddies' phones, on work phones, just to be part of this game. They're going to essentially an unofficial site, downloading a pirated copy of this app. And we have already seen one, what John Shire likes to call the secret source version, where someone's taken the app and remixed it so it's almost identical, runs identically, all the graphics are the same, the gameplay is the same, it is the same game, but in the background it has some built-in Android spyware that can do an awful lot of stuff to damage your privacy and steal your data. Well, yeah, and it, so it's my understanding that this, uh, this, this malware that's been bundled in with the Pokemon game uh, that, that was found, it, it's sort of like a, an all-tools remote access Trojan, right? I mean, it seems like it can do pretty much anything to your device, spy on you, intercept SMSs, etc., right? Yes. Uh, in fact, it's well-known Android spyware. It started life as a thing called Sandro Rat, morphed into Droid Jack. Uh, regular readers of Naked Security will know that we cover, we've covered that uh, particular spyware before. It's not sort of standalone spyware. The idea is it's, it's sort of a sub-package that you can take somebody else's APK, Android package, explode it, bury in the Droid Jack, and then knit the APK back together, re-sign it with your key, and you have an app that performs almost identically to the original with all the extra secret source. And good luck noticing after installation that there's anything different going on. Yeah, I was thinking about the fact that in the past we've uh, written about people detecting Android malware because of uh, you know increased network activity, increased battery usage, this kind of stuff because, hey, somebody remotely spying on your camera or your microphone uses a lot more system resources. But I guess if you've just loaded Pokemon Go, you wouldn't notice anyway because it uses so much battery and system resources that uh, it's, it's almost like a, a perfect nightmare Trojan scenario. I don't think any harm has been done with the malware that we've seen and written about on Naked Security. It's more of a proof of concept at the moment, but I suspect that's more by accident than by design. Yeah, and sadly, a lot of the people I've been hearing from have said that they've been doing it because they just couldn't say no to their kids uh, wanting to play because their kids are reading about it on Instagram and Facebook and in all these social media services. And uh, I, I, I would hesitate to ever recommend a parent decide to intentionally load software of unknown origin on a device and hand it to their children. 
Now, sadly, uh, ransomware is a frequent topic in the podcast because it's been impacting so many victims out there. There's there's a new one. When I started reading the story, I'm like, oh, you know, I guess if I got hit with this one, I would feel lucky at first until I found out what really happened because uh, it's only asking for 0.2 bitcoins, right? And like usually these guys are asking for an entire bitcoin, which right now is about you know $800 Canadian. And wow, hey, I can I can get by for for only $200 Canadian. Um, but that's not really what happens with this one, is it? No, it's what I have coined bone idleware. It seems that the crooks who created this are just trading on the fact that all the crooks who've gone before them have displayed what you might perhaps wrongly call honour among thieves. And if you pay the money, you probably will get the decryption key and you probably will get your data back. Uh, With these guys, you won't get your data back. And the reason for that is you can't because to simplify the programming, they use the delete function. So they delete your files claim they're in some kind of encrypted archive and you can get them out. And uh, of course they can't. Maybe that's good because maybe it means that we'll be less inclined to regard paying the ransom as a legitimate way of solving what we write off as a simple technical problem. When in fact, we had a serious security problem, maybe even poor policies and practices, and we need to go and address those. Well, and I think part of addressing those, even though it's not a regular topic to bring up on the podcast, since we're discussing ransomware, many times ransomware is getting in through exploiting unpatched vulnerabilities because people aren't staying up to date with their office patches, their you know their Windows patches, their Adobe Acrobat, their Flash Player, etc. It's a timely reminder that Update Tuesday was this week, and there was a giant load of patches, both for Windows and for Flash, that are all very critical. And so if you if you don't want to be in the position of trying to decide whether your ransomware is actually going to give you your files back or not, it would probably be a, a very prudent choice to accelerate the rollout of this week's patches compared to maybe your normal schedule because uh, there's some real doozies in there and that's the best way at staying safe, I think. And for the first time in several months, it's a zero, zero day month for Adobe. So although there are something like 52 security holes or 52 CVEs or something patched in Flash, as far as I know, none of them have yet been seen in the wild. So this time, you can get ahead of the game. So so this, this ransomware, uh, would it delete my Flash player for me if I was infected with it? Would it actually it secure my system by getting rid of Flash? In my test, it just deleted my documents, I'm afraid. So I think Flash survives. Hmm. So you can't even count on the criminals for that. No, it it really is bone idleware. By the way, it is a good reminder, of course, that this whole idea of, oh, well, if, if the worst happens with ransomware and I can't reverse it by regular means, I can always pay. And people are kind of taking that as a, as a security step. The guys claim you can pay them 0.2 bitcoins, even if you do, even if they wanted to, they couldn't do anything about it because the files are gone. So as always, those defenses that you use against ransomware, don't do them just because they're good against ransomware. Do them because they're actually good for your collective security against all sorts of online nasties. All right, I'll just make a note here not to trust criminals um, and that uh, it's a good idea to have backups. So uh, moving along... It does sound rather obvious when you say it like that. (laughs) Exactly. It's sort of easy to forget, though, isn't it? I I do like bringing up 
uh, unpopular topics occasionally. I, I, I know last time you and I podcasted a couple weeks ago, I, I, I complimented Windows 10. So this week I'm going to bring up Mac malware because every time we bring up Mac malware, um, the, the hate mail flows like the River Nile. There is Mac malware, and this is another good reminder of malware is really about the intent and what a program does, not necessarily the precise bits and bytes and code that makes it up, right? The idea of malicious software is that it's malicious, not that it's made up of certain ingredients, because in this particular case, it's a lot of legitimate Mac tools that are either already present on the system or are not unusual tools to have on a Mac system, and yet the way the crooks have uh, knitted it together has turned good things bad, hasn't it? Yes. They've taken uh, components like the PHP interpreter that's installed in user bin on your Mac, and they've copied that. They've brought along a copy of the statically linked Tor binary to do dark web connections and create a Tor hidden service on your computer. They've used a, uh, a Mac OS X packaging tool called Platypus that's designed to take utility scripts that you've written and build them into an app bundle so they're easier to distribute, very useful tool if you're a, a sysadmin. They've taken a freely available command line webcam tool that can take snapshots and video. And as you say, they've uh, knitted these together uh, with just a very short bit of bash script this type of thing has been something I've been warning admins about for years uh, when, when I'm giving talks at conferences and that, you know, if I want to break into your network, the first thing I'm going to attack is a Mac or a Linux box because half the tools I need to compromise your entire network are already there. I just need to knit them together in a way that, you know, maybe they uh, uh, weren't designed for to be used. But once I've got access to an unprotected Mac, especially, um, I can continually attack you from the inside. I was a bit disappointed, to be honest, that in 2016, publishing this article, which was just to describe how this thing fits together, because of the use of Tor, the hidden service, the PHP shell, the sort of almost brutally elegant simplicity, you might say, that creates quite a devious way of crooks getting into your Mac remotely. When writing about this, I, I we did get hate mail. I had we had, I had an official an email officially complaining about a Sophos employee behaving like an asshole, and a whole load of other people jumping onto our Facebook page and saying, no, 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 you can't call it malware because the user has to choose to install it. That doesn't count. It has to get in through a security hole or it's not malware. And I don't know whether they're backing Mac users to be significantly better informed than Windows users who, to be honest, have had longer to rehearse how to defend against this kind of stuff, or whether they seriously think that we can just define malware out of the way like Google tried to do on Android by finding a prettier name for it. Yeah, it's it's all quite strange. Although, you know, fortunately, there are easy ways to defend yourself. I mean, we've got Sofa's Home available for Mac and Windows for free, so people that want to load that can just go to home.sofus.com and you know there's a lot of advantages to it it doesn't just protect you from malware if you're a mac user you can use our web filtering and if you use the web filtering we can even help prevent you from getting to known phishing sites that may be trying to steal your banking credentials or something so even if you believe that malware is a myth there's still good reason to protect yourself and uh, you know i was just you know looking at your write-up on naked security on this thinking this is another application as well for our xg firewall and i my xg firewall that i run at home which again is available for free for home usage you can just download our firewall and throw it on an old pc with a couple nick cards and away you go 
you can monitor that tor traffic you can block tor traffic but i i just look at my reports i just want to see if there's tor traffic because sometimes i'm using tor and in which case i don't consider it unusual to see tor traffic but looking at that traffic report every day if i'm not expecting to see tor or if i'm not expecting to see irc we do know these are commonly used tools by malware and that's an indication you may have a compromise indeed and you know the other the other thing that we still hear all the time from mac users is but you'll know that it's malware on a Mac because it will ask for the administrator password. Of course, that's completely false. This malware doesn't do it because it installs into your own locally into your own user directory. Well, to wrap up with something a little more positive, uh, the uh, th- there was a story this week about Europol and the uh, EC3, which uh, I guess is the European Cybercrime Center. Uh, arresting a whole bunch of crooks in a whole bunch of countries all around the world for what we call carding fraud, which of course is anything related to the stolen credit card business, right? That can be from putting a skimmer in a bank machine to forging credit cards and rewriting the mag stripes to even being involved in the money laundering aspects of purchasing goods and 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 reselling those goods online you know to to kind of launder the money and things so it's a pretty big industry the carding industry and there's been a lot of speculation that uh it's under a bit of pressure with America moving away from stripe cards to chip and pin cards to to kind of have one big last blowout and uh it's nice to see law enforcement have some impact indeed and hats off to Europol and uh their law enforcement partners in Malaysia on this bust 29 arrests in Malaysia, 76 in Europe. Uh, that, so that's another 14 countries. Austria, Belgium, Switzerland, Czech Republic, Germany, Denmark, Spain, France, Croatia, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Norway, and the UK. Yeah, and, and let's you know give credit to other agencies around the world as well. I mean, in this particular case, obviously, it was a, a lot of hard work on behalf of Europol to accomplish this. But uh, many of the different groups that I'm involved in have had outreach recently from the FBI and the RCMP uh, who are desperate to get more information from those of us in the security community to to coordinate these types of activities for many different types of crimes, not just carding crimes, but you know ransomware and other things as well. So uh, you may not always see the evidence out on the surface because these investigations take a significant amount of time. As you say, 15 different countries to coordinate is not an easy thing to do. But Law enforcement's not in the dark on this. They understand the, the the scale and scope and how important this problem is to all of us because we're all using electronics for for almost uh, all of our our financing financial activities these days, right? Interestingly, it seems their main modus operandi was to uh, actually send travelers through duty free shops inside airports. And you'd think, wow, of all the places that if I were a crook, I wouldn't want to be cornered airside in the international part of an airport because, hey, there's no escape. But on the other hand, if your card doesn't get rejected in duty-free, where it's quite normal for people to turn up, spend large amounts of money on gifts and then shoot off within an hour. So, you know, the kind of spending pattern that might seem a bit weird in a high street store, uh, that's quite normal. And if you do get away with it, then by the time the poor merchant realises that your five Rolexes and three diamond bracelets were bought with a fraudulent card, you've exited stage left and are in another jurisdiction. Not to mention the fact that the stolen credit cards that were being used by the crooks very well could have been stolen at the duty-free shop, from my experience. I, I travel quite frequently, and uh, the, the, one of the most recent duty-free purchases I made uh, 
at an airport, the computer itself was running Windows XP Service Pack 2. So that tells you how uh, tight the security is. Isn't XP2 now extra super secure because it's so old that even old exploits won't work anymore? It's so old that the hipsters think it's cool. And on that note, I'm going to conclude Software Security Chat Chat 246. As always, for the latest security news, please visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. All of our podcasts are available on iTunes, the TuneIn app, uh, via RSS, in the Google Play Store, and anywhere else fine podcasts are found. Or, of course, you can get them at soundcloud.com slash sofasecurity. And until next time, stay secure.